Well, we're continuing on in our sermon series through the Beatitudes, and we're at the last Beatitude. And so if you've printed off your worship folder at home, or if you are looking at it on a tablet or a screen, uh, or perhaps uh, you just pull up your Bible and look at Matthew 5, 10 through 12, that says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, as we come to this point in, in, in this passage, we see that this is the last beatitude. If you remember, it's been talking about what does it mean to be a citizen of this kingdom of God. The, the first beatitude gave us the promise of being members or citizens of the kingdom. And then this beatitude says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And so we rest in that. Those final two verses there kind of expand what that persecution might mean and what it looks like. So it seems a little bit odd to you maybe to be preaching about persecution on the Palm Sunday. (laughs) The Sunday where we are celebrating this triumphal entry is what we call it. I'm reminded recently that Clint Eastwood did a movie about Richard Jewell and his life. Now, Richard Jewell was a security guard who was hired by AT&T during the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. And during his time uh, just basically helping with security and crowd control, he noticed that there was a, a, a bag of what looked to be explosives, and he reported that and then helped get people out of the way. And for about the first three days of that uh, investigation, he was seen as a hero. He was touted as somebody who uh, helped save multiple lives. But very quickly, the tide turned on Richard Jewell. And he went from being this hero to being the suspected perpetrator of the bombing. And he went from being this person that was lauded to this person that was despised and hated. And so the reality for us is that our hearts as humans, we can move very quickly from a place of holding someone up to turning on them. As we step into Holy Week, we're going to see that happening. Jesus in the triumphal entry comes in, Hosanna, this is the Messiah that's come. And by Friday, they're saying, crucify him. So we shouldn't be surprised when we come to this beatitude. We shouldn't be taken aback as citizens of the kingdom of heaven when we see that we will be persecuted. We will be those who are put upon. We will be those who are not seen in a good light. But but why is that? Well, we'll get to that. When we talk about persecution, we need to talk about what persecution isn't. That's helpful. And actually, more helpful than me kind of talking about it is uh, Lloyd-Jones. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones. He, he talks about it in one of his sermons. And, and I just think it's really great. So I'm just going to read a bit of it to you. He says this, To that end, let us start with a few negatives. It does not say, Blessed are those who are persecuted because they are objectionable. It does not say, Blessed are those who are having a hard time in their Christian life because they are being difficult. It does not say, blessed are those who are being persecuted as Christians because they are seriously lacking in wisdom and are really foolish and unwise in what they regard as being their testimony. It's not that. There is no need for one to elaborate this, but so often one has known Christian people who are suffering mild persecution entirely because of their own folly because of something either in themselves or in what they are doing. But that promise does not apply to such people. It is for righteousness' sake. Let us be very clear about that, Lloyd-Jones says. We can bring endless suffering upon ourselves. We can create difficulties for ourselves which are quite unnecessary because we have some rather foolish notion of witnessing and testifying or because in the spirit of self-righteousness, we really do call it down on our own heads. We are often so foolish in these matters. We are slow to realize the difference between prejudice and principle. And we are so slow to understand the difference between being offensive in a natural sense because of our particular makeup, our temperament, or causing offense because of our righteousness. Oftentimes when we cry out persecution, it is because of things that we have done and put up on ourselves. It's not this beatitude. It's not because of righteousness' sake. Look, in the States, in Florida, and some other places, there have been some pastors who, despite being told to stay at home or not gather in large groups, have invited their congregations into their churches, into their buildings, thousands upon thousands, so that they can sit cheek to cheek and worship God. Because nobody's going to tell them not to do that. And when they've been arrested, they will proclaim that we're being persecuted. That is not persecution. That is their own arrogance and folly saying we'll thwart the recommendations of the government and of health officials because we think we know better. Lloyd-Jones in his sermon goes on to say another way that we're persecuted is when we're fanatical. And a word for fanatical is that you're all in. The problem with fanatics is they're all in because they think they are right. Very quickly, this is not saying you're blessed because you are persecuted because you think you're right. It's saying you are blessed because of righteousness' sake. There's a huge difference in that. We can elevate ourselves, we can elevate our interpretations, we can elevate our causes, we can elevate our methods, we can elevate our means, we can elevate our intellect, we can elevate our emotions, we can elevate anything beyond the place of who makes us righteous. And when we do that, we are bound to be offensive to some. 
We don't need to be manufacturing ways to be persecuted. Because it very clearly says here that if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you will be persecuted. It's not an option for us. It will take place. So why are we then persecuted if we're citizens of this kingdom? Well, it says there, righteousness sake. And then Jesus, as he expands on it, lets us know. Blessed are those of you when others revile you or persecute you or utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. On my account. Not anything else, but Christ and Christ alone in his righteousness. We are reminded over and over again. Jesus himself says it in John as he's speaking to his disciples, 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're reminded in Philippians chapter 1, Paul tells us this. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but suffer for his sake. And then again, Paul reminds Timothy of this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's found in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. You see, we don't have to manufacture ways for us to be persecuted. If we are in Christ, then we will be persecuted, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who He is and what He has done. Just the simple fact that we've been moved from darkness into light, from death into life, we move from a place of being able to stay comfortable to a place of having discomfort and suffering. Now, what type of persecution will we experience? What does that look like for us? Again, Jesus expands it for us. He says there's this persecution because of righteousness sake that comes to you. Why? Others will revile you. They will persecute you. They will utter all kinds of evil things about you or falsely accuse you of things. Boy, that's pretty broad, isn't it? It sounds to me that it could be physical, mental, emotional. It could be things done directly to you or outside of you. It could be spread out around the internet. It could be brought into your small community group. It could be... But why is it? Why does that happen? Because we're in Christ. It's not because of anything that we've mustered up. It's because Jesus is in us. See, Paul reminds us that in Christ, when we're placed there, we become a sweet aroma to those who are life, and we become an aroma of death to those who are death. We can't help but be that. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's fast. We hear stories of those who come out of other faith traditions and they move into a place of believing in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, and their family immediately shuts them off. They shun them as if they were dead. That's persecution. 
But sometimes it's slow. We have deep friendships, abiding friendships with others. And as God is continuing to transform us and change us, as we become more and more like Jesus, we just continue to become offensive to those that are around us. So much so that they finally decide they can't hang out with us anymore. They're tired of being offended by however they would define it. You think you're too good. Listen, if somebody accuses you of being too good, there's two things you need to do immediately. The first thing is you need to check your heart. You need to make sure that you've not set yourself up in a way that you are coming out as that you are too good. Aren't you lucky to have me? I'm your great Christian friend. I'm here to help you along. If you just follow the way that I live, then your life would be okay. See, here's the thing. As we've walked through the Beatitudes, as we've moved from this place of recognizing that we are no longer citizens of the world and we are now citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God, we've learned that it is not a checklist of the things that I do. It's not whether I'm up and reading my Bible. It's not whether I am following the right doctrines. It's not, listen, those are important. It is about what Christ has done. So the first thing you need to do if somebody says you're too good, you need to check your heart. And then the second thing you need to do is double down. Double down on loving them with the love that Christ has. Double down on saying, I, I know you feel that way, I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. Let me repent to you where I maybe have been arrogant in my goodness. Believe me, I'm not that good. If you saw what went on in my heart and in my mind, you would know how broken and foolish and arrogant, and prideful I am. I'm sorry, maybe I've put that across. Please forgive me. Can can we still walk together? Because I love you, and I would never want to lose you. Because that's how Jesus pursues us. He doubles down, so much so that he went to the cross for us. He said, while you're enemies of me, I will die for you. So we welcome persecution. We welcome persecution because it gives us the ability to examine our own hearts, to allow Holy Spirit to speak into our lives where we might be persecuted because we're offensive, not because we are an offense. See, we're offensive when it comes from ourselves. We are an offense when it comes from Christ's righteousness. Boy, in some ways, family, I wish I had an easier message for you. To say, no, 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 the world's going to love us. They'll know we're Christians by our love and they're going to love us. I I can't say that. I can say you're going to lose friends. I can say relationships will be broken. I can say in some places in the world, you could be hurt physically, in prison, maybe even death. But what I can say to you is that as we walk in this place of righteousness, in what Jesus has done, then we become members of this kingdom of heaven. And here Jesus reminds us of that. He says, don't feel bad about yourself. Don't whinge about being persecuted. What does he tell us to do? Rejoice. Why are we able to rejoice? Well, one, and we rejoice because we recognize it gives us a place to repent and grow in our, in our walk with Jesus. Two, we rejoice because it means we've been counted worthy to be in Christ. And three, we rejoice because we have joined the kingdom of heaven. He says, rejoice. 
for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is saying this before the disciples start getting persecuted. Jesus is saying this before he's killed on the cross. Jesus is saying this before years and years of martyrdom takes place in the world. So for him, he says, think of the prophets, how they were persecuted. You join with them. And even now today, Jesus says to us, you join with the disciples, you join with the martyrs, you join with me in this persecution. So you rejoice. Why? Because I am fully in Christ. How amazing that message is for us today. Richard Jewell was exonerated. A few days later, about two months after he had kind of been brought and had trial by media, they came out and said, no, he wasn't guilty at all, that actually he was a hero. And a few years after that, the mayor of Atlanta and the governor of Atlanta gave him a condom, a com, they said, great job <laughs> to him. And they recognized him around the state for what he had done. Not so for Jesus in that week leading up to Easter. But what we do know is this, that he was triumphant. That what seemed like triumph on Palm Sunday really wasn't. And the triumph came on Friday and Sunday. When Christ died for us and rose again, taking his righteousness like a robe, and placing it on us to dress us in that. So that when people see us, they no longer see just us. They see Christ's righteousness. And we pray that even though it will be an offense to some, that in that offense they will see God's steadfast love pursuing them. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good. And all you do is good. We ask that today, if there are any words that are not your words, that they will be burned up, that they will not last. But if there are words that are your words, Father, we ask that they will take root in our hearts and that they will bring you glory and honor and they will transform us. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're at home, let me invite you.